you know, we review bourbon and we review cigars and we, we keep the politics to it's totally non-existent. But after a week like this, where depending on when you hear this, you don't know who the new president is or if there is a new president or anything else. We said, let's go big. Everybody after this week needs a big drink. It is Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. I am Tony Katz. That right there is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And this is the St. Cloud, Kentucky Bourbon Fingers Malloy. We went extremely bold at 122 proof. Put down the glass. That's a fine round of applause uh, right there. Uh, this is a pretty interesting player. They've got a seven-year and a 13-year. This is the seven-year right here. They don't disclose the mash bill, so I can't tell you exactly how this is put together. Of course, it's a bourbon, so it has to be at least 51% corn in the mash bill. So it could have rye, it could have barley, it could have a whole bunch of things that you could put in a mash bill. They don't disclose what uh, that is right there. It has to be 51% corn to be bourbon. has to be aged in a first-use charred oak, uh, American charred oak barrel. It can only be diluted with water, and that, the only reason, is to bring down the proof. At 122, they didn't bring down nothing, Fingers. <laughs> they said this is a Fingers Malloy kind of drink right here. This is big stuff. They're not kidding. They're not screwing. They're not messing around. The nose and we've read different reviews about this because this was a first. This is the first time for both of us. Yes, on, on the St. Cloud, right? They're out of Kentucky. I don't know much about them. What they do is they make you rethink yourself after you take a you take a nose. That is very very large. Getting a, I don't know if you call that a, a dark fruit, but there's definitely a little bit of fruit on the nose, and you know. We've struggled to describe exactly what that alcohol smell is. They would call it ethanol or whatever. But there, you definitely, on the nose, get a sense that, yeah, this is this is over 120 proof. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Now, first of all, I think the dark fruit is exactly the right call there. Um, I've read, I, I, before we got into this, I read a couple different reviews because this is very new. And I just want to see where other people were at with it. Some people discuss it as summer fruits. I think it was the guys at BreakingBourbon.com, which is a really good site. If you want to get some good reviews, BreakingBourbon.com, we think, does a great job. Summer fruits. I, I think dark fruits is a better way to put that because uh, summer fruit to me is strawberry. Mm-hmm. Right? A dark fruit are plums and cherries and things like that. So when Fingers is talking about dark fruit, that's the way over this show that we've kind of come to be able to delineate these things and explain these things right there. But it's unbelievably bold. Are you getting... There's a I, touch I of sweet, seen, but it's unbelievably bold. I've had some uh, reviewers online, I've, I've seen that they've described it a little bit of a citrus. I'm not getting the citrus on the nose. Are you? No, not at all. Not at all. I'm... I'm eh. If it's there, it's it's kind of blending in, and I haven't picked it out yet. But sometimes people, they get what they get, just like you will get it maybe differently than reviewers do. It's just I happen to like, for for example, the people at BreakingBourbon.com do. And as we have gone through things, we've developed our own, our own kind of lingo, our own kind of language to kind of describe. That whole ethanol conversation, though, right? That's the idea of do you get alcohol? Are you getting a lot of alcohol smell uh, on there and, and ethanol smell? Some people have, have taught me, that you, you think of it like you think of old school cough syrup. Mm. That's not the smell. Is it peppermint? Is it actually a minty that you're getting? And the answer is a slight touch for me. There's a slight 
touch of minty for me. There's a bit of caramel in there. There's the there's definitely dark fruit in there and a slight touch. Isn't it amazing when you read a review before you have something or you, you discuss a bourbon or, or a cigar with someone else, how maybe you wouldn't pick up on a note like that until somebody mentions it and then you just mention mint, a minty kind of uh, aroma on the nose. It's like, Okay, now I can kind of see that the, now that you mentioned the it. The power of suggestion is very real. Here, yes. let, let me try it again. I also get a little, a little hint of give me $20. <laughs> I get a, a, just, a, just a wafting, if you will. You ready to do this? Okay. Uh, we, oh, not the $20, but I'm willing to do the bourbon, yes. <laughs> we sip it neat, and then we move it to either chips or a cube. You ready to go? Absolutely. It's in the Glencairn glass. That's that kind of oddly shaped glass to help you get a real good look at it. And it is an absolutely gorgeous deep amber absolutely beautiful from every single view. Are you all right? Are you, are you okay? Your eyes are actually watering. What just, what just happened? Breathe. Okay. <laughs> As you know, Tony, when I take a sip of this, I do the Memphis Munch. It is the Kentucky Chew. Uh, on the tongue, immediately, you get the sting of a 127 122, 122 proof bourbon. You uh, are standing upright. I mean, sitting upright. You are like ramrod upright. You are not relaxed in your I chair at all. I love this. <laughs> I love this. The sting. Right, okay, go ahead. No, you, you talk. Oh, well, the sting of, on the tongue, but it doesn't burn going down. Definitely, you get that dark fruit flavor on the palate. And I, I think it's wonderful. It's, it's definitely cow. not for the faint of heart, that's for sure. Holy cow. Now, maybe I was anticipating the sting, so for me it was a little less sting. No burn going down the throat at all. You know, sometimes we'll talk about we feel a bit of burn in the mid-chest and lower chest. This you could actually feel going through the lungs. <laughs> all the way through, you could actually feel it, like, rippling out from, from the mid-sternum to the sides. Oh, that is remarkably, remarkably sweet. There is some incredible cinnamon that's going on there. And something that we talk about every now and again, the very idea of viscosity, which is, is, is that thickness. It is syrupy. Oh, I think, I think this is screaming for a cube or a little bit of water. But that is a remarkable difference between the nose and, and, and the palate but yet working in tandem, sometimes you're really shocked between the two. Wow. I'm really hesitant to put it on a cube or some ice chips. I did put a little bit of cold water from the melted cube in the glass just to see what impact it'll have on there. But I, I'm really loving it neat, Tony. Uh, and again, maybe it's because... Uh, the impact of the season on me. You know, we've talked earlier about when it's summer, I just want a colder drink. It's fall. It feels like I'm gravitating more towards having it not on the rocks. I will say this. As it lingers on the palate, that's citrus. That flavor, as it lingers on the palate, is citrus. I almost want to argue tangerine, but I don't know if if someone's going to agree with me or not. That is sensational. Now, we started to look around for the price, as we often do. MSRP on this is $93. That's a $93 bottle. First, I got to admit, it's a beautiful bottle. It presents incredibly, incredibly well. Heavy as a mother could be used as a weapon, <laughs> for the love of goodness. Um, that, is, that is candy. 
And I got to admit, really and truly impressed because it's doing two really good things. It is It provides full strength. It's incredibly warm in the chest, but it does not hurt. You would think at 122, it was meant to, to, to hit you in the face. No, the, the, the flavoring is really distinct. It melds well together on the palate. You get that. Uh, to me, it's a tangerine, almost in the exhale. This is wonderful. At $93 a bottle, it, that's usually out of my price range. I'm splurging for this. I think it should be in your liquor cabinet if you can afford it. I mean, this is this is really, they're doing something unique. And what it really is, I think that you'll find that at, in, in the actual thickness, that viscosity is where you might really find the most interesting thing on the St. Cloud bourbon. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. But you see, all is not lost in one of the craziest weeks in American history, right? This whole election has had the country in, in apoplectic fits, people out of their minds. But luckily, there is a savior, and its name is McRib. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke, Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. Finally, long last, my favorite rabbi approved, the McRib. <laughs> is coming back to McDonald's first time in eight years. It's not available now, otherwise we'd be eating it. We'd be eating it right now, and we will eat it. I think it starts December 2nd. You're a fan of the McRib? Fingers I don't want to be. Why why not? I don't don't want to be, because I... Listen, you you bite into it, and you're like, is is this pork? Is this something else? I'm not sure. Is this meat? Or is this this something else? But, uh, yeah, I like it. It's See, the sauce, and then the, the the onion is perfect with the pickle. It's 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 a beautiful combo. So, the last time I had a McRib, I was still eating bread on a regular basis. I don't do that anymore, and I don't do that because I'm a terrible, terrible person, <laughs> right? And it has nothing to. I don't know if it is gluten or isn't gluten. I'm not one of those people. All I know is, right? I'm here to lecture to you about my gluten insensitivity. Can we do your whole gluten free diet? Uh, segment sometime soon. I don't. I don't have a gluten. <laughs> it's so those people. It's like it's like vegans. I, you want to be vegan? Live your life. I'm not telling you no. It's the idea of the lecturing. I got to tell you though, the vegan lifestyle. That's that's hardcore. Yeah. That is that is militant in a way that I just I can't imagine happiness. I get that people do it and they're fine with it. Live and let live. I can't imagine happiness. Vegetarian, I get. Vegetarian, I get, but if you won't eat cheese, I, I don't yeah. know, even know why life is worth living. Right. I don't get the, the idea of having to put a lot of effort into figuring out what you're going to eat. Right. <laughs> I just like being able to go up to a store shelf. I'll take one of these, two of these, <laughs> three of these. Oh, a restaurant. Here's a menu. Uh, I, oh, this is the main menu. That's fine with me. I'll eat anything. Just give me well, that, the third uh, meat option here on the menu. I, you know, I... I don't know. That's so now that I'm avoiding the bread, I'm still going to eat the McRib, but I might take it off the bread. The question is, oh. am I now the guy? You see, this is age, people. I, I, <laughs> I, I don't feel old. I'm not. I am young. I am spry. I will totally take you on. I'll fight you if I have to. <laughs> but, like, I know that the sauce is all sugar. Right. And I can't do it anymore. So am I the guy who not only takes off the bread... Am I the guy who takes off the pickle, takes <laughs> off the onion, 
scrapes off or wipes off the sauce and then puts the other that's stuff back Mc, on. That's not a McRib anymore. That's a McSad, yeah. Tony. I'm going straight to hell for this conversation. Oh, my goodness. But no. I, I, I'm, I, I have to do it. I have to eat it. I must eat it. It has to happen. Isn't it funny? When you're younger, uh, what puts you out of commission is, is like, oh, man, I went out drinking last night and I was up till 2 o'clock in the morning and, oh, way too much booze. And you get older, it's like, oh, I had a McRib. And I have to lie down now. Oh, it's aging. But I saved half of it on a napkin. I'm going to have it tomorrow for sure. Father, it's not going to beat me. I'm going to show it what's what. Father Time is a jerk. If I could get a McRib with cheese, I would do it. Just to guarantee I can never be buried in a Jewish cemetery. I would, I would get the McRib with cheese. Now, in France, this is the second shroom story we've got. Hundreds of people were poisoned in France from wild mushrooms. And this goes along with, I think it was Washington, D.C. that just legalized mushrooms, like the, the, the psychedelic mm-hmm. kind. Right, I'm sorry people got poisoned. That's not the story. Do you know about foragers? So, so here in Indiana, there's a season. And in this season, people go all across the state searching for mushrooms. Morels, I, don't, I, mean, I mean, they're mushrooms I don't know the, the names of. And they take it not just seriously. They take it in the name of the Lord seriously. Mm -hmm. And they've got honey holes and they've got special spots and they're not going to show you and they're not going to. It's like watching what's the name of the biggest catch there on on A&E, right? And Sig knows his fishing spot and he ain't going to tell anybody else where it is. It's those people. And I'm like, there's no way people really do this. I brought this up on air once. Uh, you know, I, I host a morning show in Indianapolis, and I have a syndicated midday show. Fingers Malloy has a show out of, out of Michigan. And I brought it up on air once, and holy hell, the response I got from people, do it every year. Got myself a team. Have special footwear. It's, <laughs> the list goes on and on. I'm like, this is really a thing that's happening. Have you, ever, have you ever done it? No, but my dad would tell me stories about that's what they would do when they were kids. That was the thing, to go out and find them. Not the... The, the kind of mushrooms that will I was just picturing your dad you a, high that made me so happy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Not the kind that would give you a buzz, but that's what they would do. It, it, that was a thing. It was a farm kid, and they would all go out into the forest and, and try to find mushrooms. I, I Listen, I, what a harmless hobby. That's nice, unless, of course, you're in France and it gets you sick. Because that's what happened. It wasn't something that came from a supermarket. It wasn't some you know story like that where it got spread. No. It came from wild mushroom picking. I... I would not feel comfortable. And I, lo- I love mushrooms, by the way. Mushrooms, fried up, butter, touch salt, I'm done. I really and truly need nothing else. I'll eat it by the bowl. I'm happy. And they need to be on a McRib. Oh, I, if they put mushrooms on a McRib. Mushrooms are one of the few things I'm willing to get as an accoutrement to a steak. Mm-hmm. I'm a purist. I don't like anything on, on, on a steak. Roos Chris gets an exception because they do the butter and it's just, and it's butter and butter wins, right? right? right. The Paula Dean way is the right way. But I don't like um, some of the things that people want to do with steak, some of the sides people want to do with steak. I don't eat blue cheese on my steak, although it's a fine combination. I love mushrooms. I love onions and mushrooms on a steak. Right? Oddly enough, I love onions not on a steak. Huh. It doesn't make any sense, yet here I am to tell the tale. Um, I would in no way feel safe picking my own mushrooms. I, 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 I honestly think you need training at that moment. I mean, you're allowed to do it. I don't think you need a license or anything. You want to die, you die. But, 
please don't die. But like how it's like the whole thing about being, you know, I, I was a scout as, as a kid. I wouldn't eat a berry off of a, off of a, a bush if you, if you paid me. I wouldn't do it. The only time I ever ate anything off of a tree is when I lived in Los Angeles and we had Myers lemon trees in the backyard. I didn't buy a lemon for six years. Ah, We'd send the kids in the back. We'd make lemonade. It was fantastic. I wouldn't feel... Would you feel safe picking a mushroom? No, I wouldn't. Unless I had five acres and it was on my own property and I had my Google machine in my hand where I could make sure I'm kind of matching up the photos of the, the good stuff versus the stuff that could make you high or sick. Uh but I could see where nowadays that it's it's so much easier to do that stuff, right? Because you have a smartphone in your pocket and you can kind of look at what you're trying to pick and compare. But I would be worried, too, about not being, if it weren't my property, who's on the property? What are people doing on the property? I, that's what would worry me. I'm always worried that somebody's going to sabotage something. So put something on the mushroom that... Oh, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't trust Google to tell me which of the mushrooms are safe and which of the mushrooms aren't, right? I don't, I don't think I'm going to give them that kind of power over, <laughs> over my life at all. Because what? Because somebody posted it up there? The, they take down fake news. They don't even know what fake news is. They get the fake mushroom wrong. And I'm in a, I'm in a hospital. Or I'm eating the psychedelic ones, which means, of course, more McRibs, which could be a win-win when it comes out, man. We're, we're reviewing it. I'm, and I will, I will eat it straight, and then you will take me directly to a hospital. That's how it's happening. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Eat, Drink, Smoke. It is your cigar, bourbon, foodie, radio extravaganza. I'm Tony Katz. That's America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy, and this right here is the St. Cloud Kentucky Bourbon. 122 proof, seven year. This is exceptionally good. Exceptionally good. I may run out and buy a bottle. And at that price point, that's usually a little high for me when you're getting into the $90 to $100 a bottle range. But this is fantastic. Definitely something uh, that you'd want in your liquor cabinet uh, if you aren't the type that would splurge for a bottle like this. Definitely for a special occasion. If you can splurge for this bottle to make it an everyday uh, drink, God bless you. Yeah. MSRP was $93 a bottle. Usually more than we, when we recommend you know, for, for the liquor cabinet. Oddly enough, I put a chip on here. I want to argue it was better neat. There's something a, a little more hitting on the throat now that it's chilled up a, a, a little. Uh, but the, the flavor profile here is just, is just wonderful. That bit of citrus that exists on, on, on the exhale, um, the, the, uh, that dark fruit going down, how it kind of envelops the chest, and again, it doesn't look like it on the glass, but the viscosity, that, that thickness, that syrupy is really, it's not overdone. It's just right. Well, it's interesting that you say that about the chip, Tony. I just put a little bit of cold water in it, and what I noticed is the sting really didn't go away from me, but it got a lot less sweet. Uh, did this, is that what happened with you? Did the sweetness kind of dissipate when you put that chip in? Maybe. Maybe. There's definitely a, a good hint of cinnamon in here. And not spice, right? Right. A cinnamon heat, not not spice. I don't think I would say there's baking spice in this at all. Oh, it's good. But it's still really, really, really good. This It's the St. Cloud uh, Kentucky uh, bourbon right there. 122 proof. Seven year. Find that. It's time for News of the Week, Fingers Malloy. Are you a sports guy? 
Am I a sports guy? After all this time, you have to ask that question. Well, you know. I haven't proven to you by my chiseled physique and my knowledge of the 69 Mets that I am a sports guy. Gosh, no, I'm not a sports guy. I'm busy dating girls. Look at you dating the girls. Uh, so Married to the same woman for my whole life. But yeah, I'm busy dating girls. <laughs> that was the worst expression I've ever used in my whole life. By the way, girls. That's what I said. Grown man. No, no, that wasn't problematic at all. Do we have a do we have an edit feature on the show? ESPN, Tony. Apparently, ah. uh, you know they're continuing to have hard times over at ESPN. They announced that they're going to lay off 300 people across its business, while also not filling 200 current open positions as the pandemic continues to harshly impact ESPN and its parent company, Disney. Is it really coronavirus, or is it just ESPN? isn't where people are watching where they used to watch and they just don't need the people anymore. I often wonder if that's the case. I listen, there have been, we don't get all that political on the show, but, but there's a lot do. of, <laughs> yes. they did it. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Talk about that. Uh, well, I don't watch sports center that much anymore because I don't, I'm only into football now, professional football. Uh, the college football doesn't even interest me that much anymore. But I used to, ESPN used to be must watch TV, must see TV back in the '90s. You know, with Keith Oberman and uh, Dan Patrick, Craig Kilborn, used to always tune in. And I walked downstairs on a Sunday morning and turned on the TV to see ESPN, and immediately it was politics. And I thought, for me, politics was something outside of sports. Sports is an escape, right? Right, and. The more politics is bled into sports and an ESPN, I, it's made me not want to watch. I think the, the funniest thing about sports and politics, and, and I am not somebody who ever believes in shut up and dribble. I think you're allowed to say what you want to say. You must deal with the ramifications of what, you're, of what you say, and that's true of, of all of us, is that it, the politics in sports became the idea not that, hey, there's something here that I want to express. It became, hey, I'm going to express this and if you don't agree with me, you're the problem. That's a very peculiar statement for anybody to make. And that, so, that, so even for the athlete, I think that's peculiar. But it was the anchors who were doing it and who were pushing it. And you, even if you agreed with them, you were like, okay, but what about the Raiders? <laughs> right. Right? There was something that you wanted. And, and being a host is very often making sure you're giving your audience what they need. I don't think you should lie. I don't think you should make things up, right? I, I, don't, I don't think you should do those kinds of things to satisfy somebody. But they, they came for your analysis of the game. They came for your comedy of, of the game, not the other things. And so they really did get away from that. They really did kind of put that to the side. They, they figured it out for the most part. But there's a level to which, Fingers, and you are much more sports-connected, as, as we said, than I. There comes a, a moment where the damage is done and the narrative is baked, and this is now how people see you. Yeah, exactly. It's one of the reasons why I really don't tune into ESPN anymore, and I have a theory as to why this is happening. Social media ruins everything, This Tony. is correct. Uh, by the way, follow us on Twitter at <laughs> GoEatDrinkSmoke. Facebook.com slash EatDrinkSmoke. Yes, but... Social media, the, the pressure on athletes and now hosts on ESPN to use their platform in a political way is very real on social media. Not a political way. 
an acceptable political yes. way. And that's what's so awful. Someone's allowed to have an opinion, whether you agree with it or disagree with it. They're allowed to have a thought. Not everybody agrees with me. It doesn't make them bad people. They have a different point of view. I'm willing to listen to it, and I can be like, okay, that's interesting, or okay, I think that's madness, or okay, let's go back to our St. Cloud, Kentucky bourbon, please. Thank you so much. But preachy is a whole different thing. Preachy is a whole different animal and a whole different beast. The question is, do we think that damaged ESPN enough to say we need to not only drop another 300, but we're not even going to fill the 200, and we have to do it because we know we lost audience, not because COVID kept us from gaining our audience. We self-inflicted cost ourselves audience. I think that that is exactly the case. And then also you, you look at Disney and the problems that Disney's having right now. Uh, they're the parent company. They're losing money. And that has to do with a lot of it with COVID. But some of it may have to do with the, the entertainment that they're putting out. Uh, the other thing, you know, they were just talking about. 300 people kind of behind the scenes it's also affecting their on-air talent not necessarily this decision but they're re-examining all of their contracts you're seeing bigger names like trey wingo they're not going to renew his contract when right. it's up they've already made that announcement so man moving forward it's going to be interesting to see what happens with espn the one interesting thing that disney has done and this is the theme parks i don't know if we talked about it on the show or, or not in california Right, there are some still rather radical shutdown rules and regulations because of coronavirus. And we know UK is in the is in a one month shutdown right now. They shut down the whole country. Uh, I I can't even begin to speak about it in a rational way. But the theme park, Disney theme park, said we know we can open, we know we can be safe, we have figured this out, we have a system. The state won't let us open. We, they're infuriated. And the thousands of people they employ at those theme parks, those people have no chance of getting their jobs back there. And they have no chance of getting a job elsewhere right now. Uh, so it's interesting like when, when, you, when you think about these companies that may want to take a stand and then reality forces them to take what could be seen as a completely contrary 180 kind of stand and how do they square the circle for themselves do they realize oh wait a second maybe we shouldn't have been talking about all of those things or maybe we should have found a better way to talk about many of those things yeah i mean and it depends on the industry right i mean we saw a few months ago how uh tesla made the decision we're just going to open up and and dare the, the government to come in and shut us down uh you can't really do that with a theme park you, you know, uh, you know, Tesla's made the decision. They're, they're they're talking about moving some of their production facilities outside of California. You can't move a theme park. You, you, it, it, that's really hard to do, especially like Disneyland. You know, it's it's hard to say. Oh, we're gonna yeah, move, but we if, can't move Disneyland. But if anybody can do it, they've got the money. Disney has all the money, and where the mouse is, the people will travel. And honestly, I I think that you, there's gonna be some good jobs taken down Thunder Mountain. Is that in California? I'm not even sure. No, it's, it's a good roller coaster, though. Only thing I remember from Disney. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. So what makes a good rocks class? It's Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker. Fingers Malloy. I asked this question because I'm in the market. And Fingers Malloy believes now is the perfect time to get a rocks glass because it will come in a gift set. That's right. This is the best time of year, Tony, to buy bourbon or any kind of alcohol 
at your your grocery stores, your box retailers because of the holiday gift set, Tony. They're usually a, a, a couple of dollars cheaper than just the bottle by themselves, and they'll include some fancy glasses. I don't do that. I'm actually right now selling the four Bailey's Rocks glasses I have. I don't even know where they came from. I have this set of four Bailey's Rocks glasses. Like, what am I? How Am I still in college? I don't know what happened here. <laughs> you, don't drink, you don't drink Bailey's? I, I love Bailey's, but I don't drink it just on a rocks glass that says Bailey's on it. Oh, well, okay. I'll drink it in a in a rocks glass, though, but I'm in the market. I am in the market, and what I have found is is that you, you see the rocks glass we have here. There's nothing wrong with this rocks glass. We're here at, at our favorite cigar lounge in Indianapolis, Blend Bar Cigar. Uh, and they are in Nashville. They're in Houston. They're in Pittsburgh. Great spot. This is a fine rocks glass. There's rocks right in there. Right, the base is not too thick. The 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 glass is a little thick. It, fine, it does nothing for me. What I have found is that I'm embarrassingly or accurately, I want cut crystal. You know, I I I don't see this. This is too simplistic. And the ones that are rounded, everything else, nope, have no no interest. It doesn't feel right in the hand. What I've discovered is it has to have thick glass. And it has to feel like you're doing a shot put when you're having a drink. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I'm totally irrational, but it's, it's like a cigar. You know, we talk about mouthfeel, right? And we, whether the cigar is, is right in the hand. Well, it's exactly that same way. I need to feel it. I need to. And so I don't want a smooth side. I want the cut glass because I want it to be uh, tactile. You know, if, if BlackBerry would just come back to life, I'd have a BlackBerry over an iPhone any day of the week and twice on Sunday. Absolutely. So you want a, some sort of textured glass, and you want it to be hefty. You want a hefty glass. I do. I, it's exactly what I want. It needs to have both of those things for me. It can't just be, it can't be light. And, 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 um, and I wonder, I'm, I'm curious, and I'm only hoping people will help me out here, on, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash eatdrinksmoke, a photo of your rocks glass. Now, I am very mid-century inspired, right? Mid-century modern, I think, is a fantastic look. Eames is a fantastic look. I'm inspired by the art of, of Hopper, Edward Hopper, you know, uh, in, in some of those, those hotel scenes and, and those, those scenes really kind of expressing loneliness in, in a way, some really some fantastic art if you don't know Edward Hopper. Uh, but I'm inspired by those kinds of things. And some people say, oh, so you mean Man Men. I don't necessarily mean Mad Men, but everyone goes to that. So we right, use that as, as the example of mid-century. If you have stuff like that or think of things, don't send me to your Pinterest, please. <laughs> but like, I'm looking for advice on that. Yes, it's got to have heft. And yes, it's got to have thickness on the sides as well. It's got to look good on a wet bar, right? Yes. I, I, want, I want a wet bar in my office. Like I'm some sort of... Uh, well, you're talking wet bar. You mean wet bar means it has a sink. Oh, that's what a wet bar. You just mean a bar. Yeah, a bar. The, the carts. That, you a know, a bar if cart is completely oh, different. No, like you're a network executive and people are coming in and you're having a meeting and you, you, you pull out the cart and everybody has bourbon at like noon and they have the big heavy rocks glass. That used to happen at my home radio station. Really? That before I got there, uh, the, Fridays, the bar cart would go around and people would start drinking. That absolutely <laughs> nice. used to happen. I am not speaking out of school. <laughs> that, that absolutely positively happened. Um, I, have, I have now put out in, in the, uh, at, at the bar, 
And the bar is really, it's it's a reclaimed piece of furniture, 50s kind of, uh, it's actually a record cabinet, record, like actual records, it's a cabinet, we converted it in, into oh, a nice. bar. And I got myself the tray and I picked up a couple of, uh, of carafes uh, that, that I thought looked really cool. And I've got one rocks glass and it's got a T monogrammed on a T for, for Tony or Terrific or whatever else I feel like saying it is at the morning at the moment. And so I've got that out and I've got, and it looks very, very good. It looks right. It's the feel that I was going for. But I know that rocks glass is just a placeholder. I need the thing. So if you have one, would you please hook me up? But glass, man, the feel of the glass absolutely matters. I mean, it's like, it's like there's a difference between a beer and a pint and a beer in a red solo cup. Yeah. No, here's the one thing that I don't understand when it comes to rocks glasses as a cigar smoker. I don't understand the people who want to have the cigar glass that has the cigar holder built yeah. in. I don't I don't get that. They uh, we get sent those all the time. Hey, did you see this? There, there's if you want it, take it. It's just too much kitsch. Right. Right? I I want a very very stylish um ashtray, right? I want the big style ashtray. The one I use actually is the one that was on on my parents' table. My parents didn't even smoke, but they had an ashtray. It was like bamboo on the side, but it looks like bones. It's really weird, and that's what I use. Like yeah. that because only thing, one of the few things I took. Oh yeah, I've got a five pound ashtray. It feels like it's it's got it's glass. It uh, it's straight out of the late sixties, early seventies. It was awesome. in my parents' basement. I uh, that's the my go to ashtray. I love that, but. Having my bourbon and my cigar in this, it, basically in the same glass, it's it's too much. For right. Me. So the the idea is that the glass has a bit of a cutout, and then you can rest the cigar in the cutout. I I don't want to do that because sometimes I'm holding on to the glass. Yeah. Right. And and it it kind of defeats the purpose in 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 every way. And you get to this whole thing of, my gosh, how much affect is there to all of this? And the answer is, I don't think it's affect. There is a way to enjoy the moment you choose, right? And the, mm. this is the moment you choose to relax or be around friends or do whatever it is. There's a way to enjoy it and there's a way to separate it out to kind of, of, of denote that this is special. It's like how your grandmother used to, you know, uh, have the family meals for Christmas on fine china. Yeah. Right? Oh, you got to bring out the china. Nobody uses China I was anymore. Say, do people still do that? Because I know married couples that have been married twenty years, and they ran out and they registered for their fine China because that was just what you were supposed to do, right? You're supposed to register for China, and then it goes in the cabinet and nobody ever uses it. When we got married, we registered for plates from Pottery Barn, ah, the Sausalito, and they they were colors. There was two different kinds of blues, and we got some greens in there. Each plate weighed 9,000 pounds. <laughs> and after we moved them to five different houses in three different states, we sold them immediately. And now, basically, we've got the Corel stuff that you can pick up at Target, nice. three for a dollar. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's what we use. But the glass is different. And like, like if, if you ask if there are wine glasses in my house, there are wine glasses. But we, you know what we have more of? Jelly jars. We use jelly jars for the everyday drinking of stuff. But a rocks glass, when I know I have people over... I want it to say something. Well, the one thing that I got that was kind of fancy as far as glassware goes is back in the early 2000s, I had this uh, brief love affair with uh, the vodka teeny. Not a big gin guy. So I got the whole, you know, ma uh, martini shaker with the martini glasses. Uh, that's about as fancy as I get for, for the glassware with drinking other than, you know, the, the rocks glasses. When's the last time you had a martini? 
probably 15 years. Okay. I've known you a long time. I've never seen you with yeah, a martini. martini. I used to like. I, I like vodka, but I, I've never been. I people who love gin, they really love gin. Oh, I got my right. gin, gin, gin. To me, it's that that pine taste. I've never been a big fan of it. It's uh, that juniper. Yeah, juniper. Where, that's the gin. Juniper. Right. And yeah. the juniper. I just think that it's it's these things. Buy it once. Buy it right. Let it say something about you and let it give you comfort and enjoyment. There's nothing like saying I'm going to buy a $93 bottle of St. Cloud Kentucky bourbon and then I'm just, I'm going to have it in this glass that's got a chip on the side and, you know, and it says, welcome to Disney. <laughs> that's just, it, it really does. It, it, it's, it, kills, it kills the mood. I don't think there's anything wrong with setting your head right and that this is a moment and this does matter and this is a bit of relaxation or this is special. And so that's why I'm looking. That's why I'm searching for it. And I've seen things are like, oh, that's nice. But nice is not what I want. I want what's right. I don't know if I'm willing to spend really for what's right, but I, I haven't seen what's right yet. So if you've got any ideas, Facebook, Eat, Drink, Smoke, let, let me know if you would. That would be great. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. A cigar does not have to be big and bold to be good. That's not the prerequisite. It doesn't have to knock you over. It doesn't have to give you a buzz. That's never the prerequisite of a good cigar. There are mild cigars that are wonderfully flavorful, and then there are big cigars that are wonderfully flavorful. This just happens to be a big cigar that's wonderfully flavorful. This, from Diamond Crown, is the Maximus, that sun-grown wrapper, that super oily, delicious beast. Welcome, everybody, to Eat, Drink, Smoke, where we eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, and smoke the fine cigars. I am Tony Katz. That is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, and this is on the full side of full. We're talking uh, about the pyramid right here. This is the Double Bellicoso. So if you're looking for it, look for it by name, the Double Bellicoso. You'll find Diamond Crown in a couple different shapes, and there's Diamond Crown, there's Diamond Crown Maximus. Maximus has a meaning. In this case, it means uh, big. This is Dominican, right? Its origin is Dominican. It's a Sumatra wrapper with the binder and filler Dominican as well. And as for the size of this pup, it's it's a good size right here. This is six and three quarter by 54. So six and three quarter means six and three quarters inches long. Teehee. Makes him laugh because we're talking about how long the cigar is. And then uh, the ring gauge, uh, which is how thick it is around. Teehee. Again, with the laughter, is a 54. So think of 64 as a full inch around. This is at the very height, the very uh, ring gauge of where I like to be. In that 48 to 54 range is where I feel most comfortable. And if you feel the wrapper on this, Fingers Malloy, the oil comes off on your hand. Not gritty. Sometimes I like a little bit of grit on the wrapper, but wonderfully oily. The leaf looks incredible. This deep, 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 dark, rich milk chocolate into dark chocolate. A little bit of veining on here, but mostly just a beautifully constructed piece. It is beefy. Tony, mm-hmm. well, you, when you have this in your hand, you you know you have a cigar in your hand. This is, uh, this is. is I don't think it's for the faint of heart. It, nope. it, it is definitely uh, when we're just into the first third. Uh, I'm getting those uh, coffee notes, uh, a little bit of spice. Uh, it's creamy. Uh, so far, uh, the burn is even. Very easy draw. 
So far, so good, Tony. Yeah, now, by the way, uh, my mistake, just on the wrapper, it's an Ecuadorian sun-grown. I said it was Dominican. It's Ecuadorian uh, sun-grown on, on the wrapper, so there's some, definitely some... I always feel that sun-grown gives me more spice. I've had people say that sun-grown gives them a whole bunch of different flavors uh, than that. We break our cigars up into thirds. First third, second third, and final third. That's the way we kind of go through it and figure out because flavors do change. Some things get more intense. Some things fade. Sometimes you'll see uh, people talk about the, or hear people talk about the pepper that's in a cigar. And then they'll, they'll say it goes away. It doesn't go away. It's just pepper often hits the palate, and then you get used to where it is and what, and what it's doing. This, I think, has wonderful tobacco richness. I think this does have that, that coffee kind of, of flavor uh, to it and going on. And it has, not, to me, it's not a spice. There's not a, a detailed, serious spice that's going on uh, with, with this cigar. However, I think that if I were to say that it's spicy as opposed to heavy spice, I just think it's there. I am more taken by the tobacco. I'm more taken by those 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 tastes of coffee than everything else, and and really how the that sun grown wrapper is bringing it together. I think the uh, maybe a good way to describe it, Tony, when you're talking about how when you first light a cigar that's spicy, you say, oh, the the, the spice really hit me, but then it subsides. That you're you know you're kind of getting used to it. It's kind of like when you you jump into a cold pool, and your body gets used to the cold water. The the, the water doesn't get any warmer. The water's still at that temperature, but you just get used to that cold water. I think that's maybe a good way to describe how you get kind of used to the spice in a cigar. This, this, the cigar doesn't get, you know, I mean, it can get less, but the flavor, flavor profile can change over the course of the cigar. You know, you get the second third and the, and the last third, but it's more of you're getting used to the spice than it getting less spicy. Now, the, this, the Diamond Crown Maximus, right? This is the Double Bellicoso. This might scare people away because it's a price point somewhere around $22, $25 a stick. And I think there are going to be a lot of people who say, I could go in other ways for this. This is for somebody who knows exactly what they want. The person who is smoking the Diamond Crown Maximus has been doing this for a while, has developed out a palate, and understands what they're getting and said, I'm going to spend the money to get this. One of the things you can say about the cigar is that it's thick, and I'm not discussing in its size. I'm discussing in its flavor. And that's not something that I usually say about a, a cigar, right? There's, there is that, that touch of spice. Some people want to say almost has like an all-spice kind of flavoring to it. Not necessarily for me, but I sometimes confuse things like that with earth and that tobacco flavor, which is something that I love. Those coffee notes, which sometimes blend into a cocoa note, which you can sometimes take as just sweetness, that's there. The construction on this cigar is perfect. It is perfect. J.C. Newman here, that's, that's the company that makes it, doing a perfect job. It feels good in the hand. Oddly enough, for the size of it, it almost feels a touch light. I wouldn't mind it having a little more heft, but that's a personal thing. It has depth. The Diamond Crown Maximus has a depth of and, and a richness that comes to me from that earthy that I love. And so when I know when I'm looking for that, I know I can turn to this cigar. It is not something that is a regular in my humidor. Well, and this is one thing that I wanted to ask you. Before we, we lit up and we, we cut the cigar, you did a straight cut. You said to me, you may want to do a V-cut here instead of a straight cut. I just went ahead and did a straight cut. Why would you think a V-cut may be better for this cigar? Because this came, cut? this was a pyramid. This wasn't just your standard cap. This was a pyramid. 
as it came to a tip. So sometimes you do the V cut, so you're not losing much of the cigar with a straight cut, and you're getting in there to get yourself a better draw. A straight cut is exactly what it sounds like, right? Just straight across, boom, easy, simple. The V cut is exactly what it sounds like. It creates a V within the cigar. So when you have some of those, some of those perfectos, the Belcoso, uh, and, it, and it comes to a tip, right, at a point, you cut the V in so you're not losing cigar by cutting it straight and losing, well, I bought the cigar and here I am cutting off a half an inch of it to be able to smoke it. Um, and then you can also get the draw out that way. A lot of people would do that with this. So for the, those who don't know, do you need a special cutter for a V cut? You need a cutter that does a V cut and you can find very inexpensively cutters, the plastic cutters that have both a straight side and a V cut side. I've got a, a few of those. I will tell you, we're going to do for the holidays, we're going to do whole reviews of cutters and lighters because that is maybe the question we get asked more than any other uh, about what's really worth the money, where the value is, because you could be spending, you can spend $1,000 on a lighter and you can spend $500 on a cutter. The question is, should you? And the answer is, well, maybe. <laughs> I don't. Because what I'm looking to do with the cutter and the lighter is far different than what some people want to do with it, which is heirloom. They actually are handing it down to their children. Lots of ways, all in between the $5 and the $500 to make you very happy. Now, with the cigar, this is the Diamond Crown Maximus, double bellicoso. Also, make sure you wrote down what you ate that day. I'll keep a journal. Ask yourself what you think of the cigar as you go through it. First third, second third, final third. What did you eat? That will have an impact. Right? Fingers Malloy had his McDonald's today. Did you have McDonald's today? No, I had a low-carb sandwich with zero-carb bread. You're you're on Atkins, aren't you? Yeah. That explains your mood. (laughs) I thought there was something wrong with you. And it's more than just whatever's happening in the presidential race. Look, (laughs) I lost seven pounds in five days. Well, so is everybody else not knowing what was happening to the country. (laughs) Diamond Crown Maximus, guys. Check it out for yourself. Not for the faint of heart. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. The only person in America who is un, well, appreciative, not accepting of pumpkin spice is uh, Fingers Malloy. Oh, good Lord. Here we go. Fingers Malloy hates all things pumpkin spice. It's eat, drink, smoke, everybody. Great to be with you. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, right there. You have a sick, twisted aversion to pumpkin spice. True or false? This false. is true. False. This is true. Let me answer the question for you. This is true. <laughs> Here, let me fill out your ballot for you. Oh, thank you. Here, let me let me answer that question for you. <laughs> you can't stand pumpkin spice, and you hate people who like pumpkin spice. Hate is a strong word. <laughs> hate is a strong word. I don't need people tweeting me uh, at go drink smoke and uh, go eat drink smoke. Right, that's our Twitter feed. Yes. Go eat drink smoke. Yes, or at oh, fingers people are going to tweet you. Oh, but at fingers lawyer at go eat drink smoke. How dare you hate pumpkin exactly. spice? I've uh, I've said it once. I'll say it another thousand times. Tony, pumpkin spice is not a lifestyle. Sales of Starbucks trendy pumpkin beverages hit a new high in the last quarter. Fingers Malloy, who more has their finger on the pulse of America? You or Starbucks? Are you surprised by that? I mean, I, I, actually, I am surprised by that a little bit because you know, the way the economy has been and there's been a reluctance for, uh, from people that they don't want to go out, they want to stay home. Uh, I am a little bit surprised that people are saying, you know what, uh, the economy's bad. I may not have a bunch of extra money, but I'll go spend $6 on a pumpkin spice latte. No, no, no. They didn't spend it on the pumpkin spice latte. That was their second bestseller. You know what their bestseller was? You know what led the way for Starbucks? The pumpkin cream cold brew. That, okay. Please, please agree with me on this, Tony. Please. That sounds horrible. Sounds awful. 
It sounds so terrible. It sounds, it's sa- pumpkin cream cold brew sounds like something you'd look up in Urban Dictionary. <laughs> right? It does not sound, sound like something you it's, would drink. It sounds like, oh, this, this can't be real. It can't be real. I understand a hot drink. There are so many. You go to the grocery store and you see all the different flavored creamers. Okay, pumpkin spice creamer. I guess I understand. But cold brew, pumpkin coffee. Oh, that's do you do you like iced coffee? Are you an iced coffee? Yeah, guy? I like iced coffee. Yeah, I do too. And that's new. I, I wasn't. I was never like that. I didn't drink coffee until my thirties. Yep, same, I did not drink coffee until my thirties. Growing up, and you know, I grew up in New Jersey, and you'd go to diners. The only time I would have coffee, and it was decaf. The only time I would have coffee is if I was having a turkey club. What? Don't ask. It doesn't make any sense. A turkey club and coffee is like, for whatever reason, is this most perfect, comforting. It's how people feel about grilled cheese and tomato soup. So if Starbucks came out with a turkey spice latte, I would not. (laughs) I love myself too much. But you talk about people having extra money and what's going on, and we've talked about this often in the restaurant business, and we see the casual dining business getting walloped. People are going to spend on high end. They're absolutely spending on fast food because the drive through window they trust so they don't have to have interactions with people. But the casual side, and we've seen Ruby Tuesday go out and, and a host of others, Panera is now testing wine, beer, and hard seltzer at their locations. And that is clearly, as I see it, a response to what we're seeing, that they put themselves in the quick-serve casual category, but they want people to feel more reasons to come in and get a full experience. That's the only. That's got to be the reason that they're doing this, because I would actually think, knowing Panera just a, a little bit, it kind of goes against brand. That doesn't, beer does not seem to be what they're about. They're more about the being the wholesome good and, oh, look at the fresh breads and everything else and the salads. Beer seems awkward. I assume this is to further capture an audience and, and build on the bill yeah, that they can charge. I, I think you're right. You're, but you're seeing this move from restaurants that traditionally haven't served alcohol in the past that are, are doing it now. Cracker Barrel just announced recently that they're going to start selling alcohol. But Panera is one of those places, Tony that to me it's it's a quick stop right you you order your you order your food and your sandwich is there in in two minutes so it's not the type of place in my mind where i would think you're going to sit there for a half hour and enjoy your food along with your adult beverage it seems like an odd fit but you know it makes sense people you know Mama and Papa, they like their booze. Now, they're doing this. In, uh, they're starting in Overland Park, uh, Kansas. So the people listening on KQAM, which is in, in Wichita, I'd have, to, I'd have to get out a map to figure out the, the spread. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know my Kansas directions as well as I, I should. But thank you so much for listening, and thank you guys for having us on the air. Um, you can try it there. But everybody's trying to figure out what to do. We talk about this so often, but it becomes more and more true, and you're absolutely right about Cracker Barrel. We do not yet know exactly the disaster of the economics. We talk about, you know, there are two things going on economically that I think are pretty interesting. One is people talk about Wall Street and how Wall Street continues to thrive and come back. And even when they've got hits, they come back. Then there's a whole cryptocurrency conversation. I'm not an expert on cryptocurrency, but when I see Bitcoin going up the way it's going up, I wonder if it's from people saying, well, you know what? 
either it has hit a level of acceptability or there's something else going on where people are like, all right, I'm going to play with my money there. And they're doing some kind of maybe day trading. We saw this kind of stuff. We saw the head of Barstool Sports lose a million dollars that way in, in the day trading. We don't know where some things are going. And we don't know where the, the, the difference between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street is real. Midwest Main Street is taking it on the chin in a lot of ways. A lot of business closing up. And if we get to another round of lockdowns in states, which is really possible as we're seeing cases rise, although I think there's real fatigue. People are like, I'm done with this. I get it. It's a virus. I'm going to wear a mask if I want to. I'm going to wash my hands. I'm going to be safe. But I'm going to live my life, dang it. And that's all there is to it. I will not let this thing control me in this way. But we start seeing more lockdowns. The Paneras of the world have huge problems. Yeah, they do. And I think... You're right about the fatigue when it comes to lockdowns, and I think that you are seeing some governors who were heavy-handed uh, at the beginning of this shutdown or beginning of this pandemic. You know, doing the shutdowns, they're trying to adapt in ways because they understand that the American people are getting a little tired of the lockdowns. We brought this up, I think, last week uh, in the state of Michigan. That's where my dad lives. That's where I'm from. Uh, the health officials up there are now requiring people to sign in leave their information when they go into a restaurant or a bar. They have to leave their name, leave their phone number. And I think that's a response to... Can we discuss just... Uh, uh, um, I don't mean to interrupt you. Who's going to do that? Who's going to... I mean, have we talked... I feel like we spoke about this, or maybe we were just talking about this off air. Who is actually going to leave their, their, their name and their phone number? And a follow-up, how can you legally ask? How can you do that? Well, it's a... It's private industry i mean it's it's private property if you want to come on my property you you need to sign in look i think there are going to be a lot of people who say oh yep i'm ben franklin right my number is 1-800-555-FAKE you know uh I, I i think there's going to be a lot of that but i think that that is a government response saying oh we're trying to do something but we know you're not going to put up with another lockdown so this is our uh, a second solution that isn't as heavy-handed I don't know if, how a business can respond by keeping a customer log every day. That's going to be tedious. But some people it keeps out of that establishment. Now the establishment's hurt again. It's it's very very awkward. But for Panera, I mean, I, I hope this works for them. But it seems to me like it, this is okay. How do we just grow the average check amount a little bit? How do we create other opportunities to keep people in store, and make them feel more comfortable in? That's the only rational, and I only hope that it works without question. This is Eat Drink Smoke. Eat, drink, smoke. It is your bourbon, cigar, foodie, radio extravaganza. I am Tony Katz. That is America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy. And you can find us everywhere, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Play, Stitcher, everywhere you like fine podcasts. That's where we are if you're not listening live on radio, in which case, hey, how are you? Good to be with you. We are reviewing the Diamond Crown Maximus Cigars, the Bellicoso, the Double Bellicoso. Uh, abs- uh, actually, it's it's a big cigar, not your everyday cigar, not a first-time cigar. Lots of earth, lots of coffee notes. You got that sun-grown Ecuadorian wrapper, wonderfully oily, and the flavor off this thing is just delicious. Flavor is delicious, uh, you know, very well-constructed. Look at that burn. Such an it's even burn, uh, pleasant, easy draw. I had a good inch and a half ash going yes, before you did. I accidentally 
put it into the ashtray, and now it's gone forever, Tony, and it makes me sad. You will learn to live <laughs> another day. It is time for News of the Week, and, and when uh, the FDA stuff comes up, I want to bring it to you, because if you're a cigar smoker and interested in cigars and what's going on, you have to know what's going on with the cigar industry and the Food and Drug Administration, because the FDA has had a very weird relationship with premium cigars. Premium cigars are what we're talking about. That's how it's denoted. We're talking about things that are hand-rolled. We're not talking about things that are just manufactured somewhere, not the things that you buy at a convenience store. We're talking about premium cigars, things that are not targeted to children, not marketed to children in any way. They're for adults. They're enjoyed by adults. And very often, you have people who don't know anything, like government, that wants to regulate it like they regulate cigarettes. And, of course, it's a fundamentally different thing. So there's been this ongoing back and forth between the cigar manufacturers and the FDA about how to categorize the premium cigar. And so there have been lawsuits. And then for a while, the lawsuit was on hold because the FDA seemed like they were going to come out with a ruling, a clarification for how they deal with premium cigars. Well, now the lawsuit is back because as is being reported by halfwheel.com, they feel, a lot of these cigar uh, manufacturers in, within this lawsuit, they feel that the FDA has not moved quickly enough to answer the questions about how they, how they are considered. The regulations on cigarettes very often have to do less with the idea of the health of the cigarette, although there's a conversation there because that's an inhaled product, and you don't inhale a cigar. And if you're inhaling a cigar, get yourself to a hospital. That's got to hurt. <laughs> right. That's got to We've all made the mistake once, but you only make it once. It's like the hot stove. You learn your, <laughs> you learn your lesson. Um, it's, it's also a marketing conversation, right, and how these things are marketed and targeted. There are, of course, certain health conversations. The cigar is not the risk at all the way cigarettes are. You could argue that to anything there is a risk, but you can't even point to studies that show cigars do this, that, or the other. It just can't be pointed to. So now you've got this uh, this suit from the cigar trade groups a backup saying that the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is not moving quick enough. And what the hope is is that the FDA will get rid of the rule and will not engage cigars the way they do cigarettes. It's just so frustrating uh, on a number, uh, for a number of reasons. One, uh, there's businessman speed, there's industry speed, there's private sector speed, and then there's bureaucrat speed. And bureaucrat speed is right. way slower than private sector speed. So you've got industry folks that are trying to deal with whatever kind of regulations that may come down the pike from from uh, the government and the, you know bureaucrats are taking their time and it's it's so frustrating when you're trying to run a business to have to deal with that the other thing we've we've talked about this on several occasions tony about how government a lot of times will try to lump different things together that are kind of similar but not really and treat it as a one size fits all we're going to regulate in this case, cigarettes, like we are going to regulate cigars and, and vaping, and they aren't the same products. They don't market these ki things to children. There Never. aren't cartoon characters on cigar boxes. There's not a Count Tabacula on, <laughs> on a cigar box. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. So it's, it's good to see that the cigar industry is pushing back. Uh, oh, I'm absolutely behind it. And there's another thing that they are uh, addressing here which is the idea of the application process for making your cigars. There's been this whole conversation of if the FDA is going to require an application for each cigar, you could consider that one thing I could agree or disagree. 
But there was an idea that the FDA would want to consider applications for each size of cigar. So if you have different shapes, you'd have to apply each and every time to be able to allow that. That's a really costly, it's, it's government application stuff. That's really costly. Increasing the cost of, uh, cost of cigars tremendously if it got approved, but really limiting the number of cigars that can be at, at your local tobacconist. So the FDA does have to get rid of this stuff, and they do have to exclude it. Cigarettes or whatever that is, cigars are a totally different beast. That's exactly right. Let's get to news of the week, Fingers Boy. Tony. Fingers. I, I don't know if you've heard. There, there was an election. What? There was an election. In America? In America. Uh, no one told me. All right. Well, and everyone is focused on the presidential election, but of course there were a lot of other things being voted on uh, on election day. And in the state of Oregon, Tony, voters there approved a cigar tax increase. Of course they did. They're also the people who said we're not going to criminalize cocaine. You can have small amounts now of hard drugs. That's not criminal. But tax increases on cigars. Well, cigars are bad for you, Tony. <laughs> I just uh, uh, heroin. You can have heroin in Oregon now. That's like that's that's a perfect encapsulation of America. Don't tell me about your politics. Just take that one in for a moment. Cocaine, eh. cigar, pay us. Well, and, that's and, brutality. You know, I have it. I'm, I'm getting the story from Half Wheel, Tony. I'm not seeing anywhere where this revenue is going to go. Are we going to? Ha- is this going to be a situation where? Oh well, they're not talking about you know you can open up a store and sell it. You know, it's it's not Tony's House of Coke. Oh no no no! I'm talking about the the revenue from the tax increase. Oh on the okay, cigars. I thought you were talking about like them. <laughs> no, I don't think there's going to be the heroin emporium opening up on the street corner. I hope not. We're not. By the way, get yourself help if you need any help. Dear Lord, these are not funny things. But it's just so this this is an odd story. No, it, it, You're talking about where the cigar po- revenue is going to go. Yeah, pointing out how it is absurd that. One side of it, everything is legal. The other side, okay, we need to tax cigars more. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see where this revenue goes. I mean, so often you'll see states say, "Oh, we're gonna we're going to raise taxes on a certain product, and it'll go towards maybe anti-tobacco education in this case, or uh, oh, it'll go uh, for the children, Tony. It'll it'll help children, and then it ends up in some general fund that they just pull money out of." For uh, their own pet projects, and it's uh, this is again uh, the 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 problem, right? They 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 look at it as the same thing, and then they want to use those taxes for the, like like smoking cessation programs and things like that. I'm not telling people to to, to smoke cigarettes. I'm never ever ever. I'm telling adults who want to choose their own life and choose their own course to go about enjoying themselves. And I want to give them advice on what I think is good and what you think is good and not good. That's what we do. The local tobacconist is not big tobacco. The local tobacconist is your neighbor who hires four or five people, is a small business and is trying to survive just like everybody else. They're the people who are donating to local charities. They're the people who, who, who you're having uh, dinner with. They're the people who are, you know, call you up when the kid skins their knee because it happened in their, in the, in their driveway. That's who they are. And to, to say on the cigar smoker, we're going to apply the same nonsensical attributes to cigarette companies that may have lied about the, the addictiveness of their products, it's gross. And this, this is Oregon 
playing that ugly, ugly politics they shouldn't play. Well, and you make a great point about the, the mom and pop aspect of the industry, but it's also the great unifier. You've talked about this on several occasions, Tony. You go to the mom and pop cigar lounge, and a lot of times they'll have a back room, and people will just sit back and enjoy their cigars, and they you, you won't hear whether they're a Democrat or a Republican. You won't know if they're rich or they're poor. It's just everybody's sitting back and enjoying a cigar. I've had more conversations about parenting in a cigar lounge then I've had hard-edged conversations about politics in a cigar lounge. It's what makes it great. It doesn't matter who you're sitting next to. It doesn't matter. You don't know their whole story in terms of you don't know how much money they make or, or, or where they really are on the spectrum. None of that matters. You're enjoying something and you're sharing in the experience. That's what matters. That's why I love it. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. We keep talking about coronavirus and the effect that it has had. And we talked about the UK and how they're going into the United Kingdom is going into full nationwide lockdown for five full weeks. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke. Tony Katz, America's favorite amateur drinker, Fingers Malloy, right there on Facebook, Eat, Drink, Smoke. Be sure to like the page. Well, here is one of the great horror stories of this lockdown, which really does blow my mind. You're going to lock down a whole country? A whole country? It's, it, 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 it boggles the mind. Pubs and brewers, according to foodandwine.com, may have to dump millions of pints of beer due to the lockdown. I, you're trying to hurt me right now. Right? I, uh, I, I knew this would bring a tear. Do you, do, you, 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 don't pour I'm one out. Misty. They're doing it. I'm, getting, I'm going to crawl under the chair and cry. Because of this, Prime Minister Boris Johnson saying this is the way it has to be, although I... I don't agree. Um, you now have all of these bars, all these pubs that have to shut down. What about all their stock? What about it might not be able to last? It might not be. So that's all going to get ruined. Now, there should we America should immediately institute a plan that allows us to buy British. Beer. Right. And we should as just as a humanitarian effort, you know, send our money and get and get pints. I was about to say Boris. Sweetheart, I know you listen to the Bobby. show. I know you're a big fan. I'll, I'll send you my address. I'll even pay for shipping. Send it my way. I'll make it. I'll give it a good home. They think that the second lockdown is going to cost 7.5 million pints of beer. Oh. However, the first lockdowns, that first wave of things, cost 70 million pints. So it's only 10%. So it's fine. The waste. Now translate that out to economic opportunity, right? Translate, and, and, and that's a fancy way of saying, were these people able to send their kids to camp? <laughs> Did they buy the new thing? There's this, so, so this is economic theory, right? And it's, it's, it's Frederick Bastiat. And it's the idea of what is not seen. So, so the economic theory goes that, that just because somebody spends money on something, that's what you see. But what about all the places that money could have gone? And it's based on something called the broken window fallacy, right? There's broken window theory, which has to do with like blights with neighborhoods that are, are run down. Broken window fallacy is about a, a, a fable. It's a parable. And it's uh, these kids are playing in the street uh, and one of them uh, hits, hits the ball and the ball breaks uh, the shopkeeper's window. And the shopkeeper is furious. Look what you did. You broke my window. And the people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't be angry at the kid. Now the window guy has a job. Isn't that great? (laughs) 
Well, first, if that was a good theory, econo- you, you know, you, you could rebuild whole economies by breaking every window in America. And we've already seen that doesn't work. <laughs> but what, what the real story is about is about, so here's the shopkeeper, and they're now fixing the window. They pay to fix the window. So what is seen is the fixing of the window. What is unseen is all the things the shopkeeper could have done with that money. Like, for example, hiring somebody else, buying a new piece of equipment, and now the people who make equipment get paid, engaging in more advertising. That you see a dollar getting spent, right? Okay. But Bastiat's theory was all the things that are unseen, that's the real economic consequence. I didn't mean to get heavy with everybody, right? But once you hear that, you're like, son of a gun. Like, the first time I heard that, I'm like, that's so rational. As Like, I totally get that. The yeah. minute you hear it, you're like, oh, okay, you're right. What's unseen is, and you can apply that anywhere. But the shopkeep has insurance, Tony. <laughs> don't. <laughs> don't. Don't do that. So, yeah, this is, this is a, a big, big, giant hit and, and, a, and, a, and a serious uh, problem. Now, we've also talked about, you know, because there may be more lockdowns in the U.S. and, and it, it frightens people. There's the conversation of travel. We've heard that the CDC doesn't want people traveling for Thanksgiving and have remote uh, Thanksgivings and, and all that kind of stuff, virtual Thanksgivings. Um, the Americans who are going to be traveling for the holidays haven't left. They haven't gone anywhere since this all started in February, March. And so Thanksgiving, Christmas is going to be the first time that they travel. But I guarantee you that travels to a family where they're staying with the family. That travel is not to a resort somewhere. Yeah, that's right. And I'm just happy that people are, most people, it sounds like, are rejecting the idea of having a Zoom Thanksgiving, which we talked about a, a few weeks ago. I'm shocked by the percentage. I think it was something like 54%. 52% are going to fly. Are, are going to fly. And, and it's the first time that they've left since the pandemic started. I, I understand, okay, 52% of these people, it's the first time they've gotten on a plane since the pandemic started. But a lot of it is they haven't, they haven't left their town. They haven't traveled anywhere. That really surprises me. Well, I, if I were to look at the other side of it, I don't mind that people took it seriously, right? Especially because this is, 2020 is going to be remembered as, do you remember, right? There are things from people's uh, history. Where were you when Kennedy was shot, right? Where were you when the Challenger exploded? 9-11. Right, 9-11. Where yeah. were you when those things happened? Um, I think that uh, 2020, of course, I don't, I don't think it. I know it for fact. You know it for fact, too. We all know it. 2020 is going to be one of, of those things. Now I ask the question, does it change the way people act in an airport? Now, you know that I'm a freak about flying. I, people who wear pajamas are the worst people in the world. <laughs> people who wear tank tops on planes are terrible. I, I know that I'm different. I've always known that I'm different. I wear a suit or at least a sports coat on a plane. Absolutely, Me I do. Too. I, no, you do not. <laughs> I, I would be surprised if you own a suit. Of course I have a suit. I have several suits. Do you really? 
I'll wear one next week on the show. No, you won't. Yes, I will. I will really? for everyone to ra- on radio to see. I'll wear my suit next week. I have, I, I, dude, you are right now wearing slacks and a, and a polo, and I'm stunned. There's no Harley Davidson on you. Oh, there are the boots. Yeah, I got my ride, my Doc Martin riding boots that I've had for 20 years. You just want to be ready just in case. You never know when a motorcycle will just pop out in front of you. and You got to jump on it and ride it. <laughs> What's going on with your motorcycle? What's go- can we? You know that fingers had the whole story about flying to, to Tucson and getting the car from CarMax and ended up being a, a great experience. Well, what you don't know is that he's like, it was such a good experience. I need another car. He sold his other car to CarMax this week, and you're flying where to to get another car? Texas. You're fly. You flew to Tucson. Yes. To get a car, drove it back. Right. To Indianapolis. Yes. Now, you sold your car, other car to CarMax. Good deal? They were very generous with their offer, and I jumped at it. And now you're flying to Texas to get yourself another vehicle. Yes. And you saw a picture of the vehicle. You probably saw the price. I don't know what it is about central Indiana, but right. down south, southwest, I'm buying a, a fully loaded car. I won't name uh, the the type of car. Go ahead. Uh, it, we're all there. We're all listen. You you okay, you're a man of a haul, certain age. I gotta haul the kids around. I'm getting a minivan. Two thousand dollars less down there for a fully loaded minivan than what I was seeing around here. And even with the flight and and a hotel, it's still Cheap cheaper. Flight. I I'll bring it back for five hundred bucks, and I get a road trip. I love it. I I don't know about you. But I love getting into a car and just driving long distances. It's very relaxing. You? I, very much so. What's weird is if I'm traveling with the family, I get tired very quickly. If I'm by myself, I don't even have the radio on. I am just, I'm, I'm, I'm zoned and I'm gone. And me, I do smoke in, in, in the Hummer, right? Oh. I have an H3 and I do smoke. Uh, in it, and and it's just unbelievable. I don't normally smoke in my, in, in my car, uh, but I do on the long trips. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I just listen to the Eat, Drink, Smoke podcast that I get on Apple Podcast or on Amazon Music. That's what I listen to on long road trips. It is the Diamond Crown Maximus Double uh, Bellicoso. This is a wonderful cigar, a wonderful cigar, and and the Saint Cloud Kentucky Bourbon. I got to tell you, it might be ninety three dollars a bottle, but my gosh, is it good? Really outrageously good. Check it out for yourself. Safe travels, Fingers Malloy. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.